The Spirit of God is not intimidated to move any place at all. I mean, I've seen him move. I remember one time um, someone asked me to come down to a, to a bar. We were in Belize, and an old friend he had run into was uh, on drugs and needed help. I went down there and began to minister to him. And God did some things supernaturally. Brought a young lady to the Lord. And she invited the entire staff. All of them got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost that night. So that's in, that's in a bar full of uh, British soldiers and they're drinking. The Spirit of God moved. But you know in a place where he's welcome and sought after and desired and, and, and loved and, and you want Jesus to be magnified and glorified and Father to be revealed. It's not hard. It's not hard for the Spirit of God to move in an atmosphere like that. Amen. So when we get in an atmosphere like that, sometimes we get in a, a little bit of a, of a hurry and listen, Brother Eddie's here tonight, and I'm telling you, he, he'll, he'll get us all fixed. Amen? <laughs> but in the meantime, you know, it's good just to bask in his presence, to linger in his presence just a little bit, just a little bit, you know? You never know who's being touched or who's being refreshed or who may even be being healed. The pain may be leaving uh, your body right now. You know I mean? What, what do you need? Believe you receive right now. Put your hands up in this atmosphere and begin to thank God for his provision. For his healing. Maybe you need wisdom for something. Maybe you need an answer. Uh, maybe you need a door to open. I don't know. Begin to thank him right now. The, the atmosphere is, is saturated with the Spirit of God. So take it, take advantage of it. Worship God. Be refreshed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you, Father, for your blessings. Your blessings, your health, your wealth, your breakthroughs. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this, and we'll, we'll turn it to Brother Eddie. And I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Have you ever gotten a prophecy or a word from God, uh, you know, like in a ministry situation? I mean, raise your hand. That's a lot of people. Amen? Now, I know that that uh, that's all subject to the individual that is ministering. But I want to just say something because sometimes you can get a word from God and if you're not careful, you can get real discouraged when things do not begin to happen according to that word. Remember this about a word from God. Number one, it needs to agree with your spirit. Amen? I mean, when I first came back to the Lord, I had people prophesying all kinds of stuff. It's just the mercy of God that kept me from doing something goofy. Amen. Well, I married Leah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was the best thing I did. Amen. But I, all kinds of things, you know. But I, I, I just, I would always pray. And you can always tell if it's if it agrees with your spirit. Now, I've always kind of thought this: if it agrees with my spirit, I ought to pursue it. Amen. Uh, you know, if you can get a copy of it, write it down. We've got, uh, we go through them every once in a while and read uh, some of the things people have, have prophesied over us. Pastor Sam, uh, Pastor Mark, uh, a friend of ours, Terry Wheatley, gave uh, Leah just this beautiful prophecy back in the 90s. And it's really everything she's doing right now. She keeps it on her desk. It's a treasure. You say, why? Because it was spoken by God, acted on by faith, and then fulfilled. That's a treasure. That's a treasure. 
Amen? So remember, within these words, these words of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a prophecy to exhort you, whatever it may be, there's God's part, there's your part. But many times you have to realize what God is revealing to you is His potential in your life. Now with His potential revealed, get to work. Get into the Word and frame that potential up. Begin to pray about it every day in the Holy Ghost. Begin to allow, listen, we have things that we've been walking out for decades. Sometimes they happen quick. Sometimes they happen instantaneously. Sometimes you walk them out for years. But they're words from God. I said they're words from God. They're timeless and worthy to be acted upon. Amen? So whoever that helps, it helped me. Glory. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Give our praise team a hand clap. Great job, guys. Amen, amen. God is so good. We're glad you're here this evening. We have Brother Eddie Turner with us. Glory to God. It's so good to have him here. Amen. Well, Brother Eddie, are you ready? Come on. Give him a hand clap as he comes. God bless you. Wow. What an honor. Boy, I just love going to church. I love church. I love this church. I love the worship here. I can, I can understand the words. I love it. Pastor Roland and his wife, Laura, did y'all hit, hear some of those licks she hit on that guitar? And Nashville don't have anything on your girl right here. And y'all have got the most worshipful drummer in all the world. I love coming here and watching him worship. I love I go to these churches and they got them drummers in them big cages and some of them got hats on turned sideways and they're sweating and they're wiping and they never worship. And I'm thinking I'm going to go into one church and he'll be smoking a cigarette while he's drumming. <laughs> It's just, y'all have the most worshipful drummer, and I love it. I love it. I just thank you, Pastor Rusty, for the opportunity. I love this guy. I just love this guy. He has been everywhere, done everything, and has a story for everything. I, I, you know, I was talking to him the first time I was here. I said, man, there were some people out there at the, uh, on the beach out there, and they, they were surfing. Well, I, I surf. I remember one time I was surfing. I, I did the big kahuna in Hawaii, and I was surfing. I said, man, that's pretty good. And then we got to talking about horses. I said, you know, my, my daughter is a cutting horse. She does that rodeo. He said, oh, I was a bull rider. I was a bull rider. I said, man, he's a surfer. He's a bull rider. <laughs> and we said something about TV the last time. He said, oh, I used to climb wires, and I did TVs. And I thought, you know what? I bet he hadn't been to the moon. I bet he hadn't been to the moon. He's probably been past it in the spirit, but he's been, yeah, you've been to the moon. I tell you, I just love him. He's got a story for everything. Pastor Sam, it's an honor to be in your presence. He is the, the prince of pastors, and what an honor to be in his presence. Boy, we were blessed this morning by Pastor my pastor Randy from Grosback, man, that guy's a preaching machine. 
You know, it takes some guys. It takes me a little while. You got to do the countdown. Ten, nine, eight. Before I'm able to lift off. Ten, nine, eight. You know, in NASA, not far from here, about three, you see the, the engine start rowing, and then two and one that blast off. Pastor Randy, you start to count down ten, nine. He takes off. He takes off on nine and never comes back. So it's just, he's just wonderful. And then Pastor for. My, my heart was stirred to believe God for some things this morning after Pastor Randy taught on faith. And then Pastor Brother Alam, man, always the nations, always the gospel. Wow, what a wonderful. And then tomorrow, uh, Brother Allen. And then, and then my friend Greg Fritz is tomorrow. I don't, he don't pastor. He's not a prophet. He just sits behind a TV camera and the millions watch him. I've never seen nothing like <laughs> I got to get me one of those gigs. I know. <laughs> Pastor Russ, you ever done that one? <laughs> you ever done that? Sit behind a TV camera and millions of people watch you? No, we, you ain't, that's something you hadn't done. You're working on it, though, I guarantee you. What a great... If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm on, um, I'm on assignment. I'm not able... Uh, well, I could, but I just won't be disobedient. Uh, the Lord told me 30 years ago uh, when he delivered me from thought attacks and depression and oppression, he said, now you write a book. And uh, that was 30 years ago. So I did several feeble attempts of my own. I got yellow pads and I started right. I've got yellow pads a stack this high full of thoughts over the years. And, and I just come, it put about three or four years I tried that and it never happened. It never happened. Never could, I never could write it. I just never could write it. And I'd always teach on the thought life and tell what the Lord had done for me. Uh, but I never could write it. And uh, Amanda would say, you know, the Lord's told you to write a book. About every once in a while we'd get in conversation. And uh, people would ask me, men, young ministers would say, is there anything the Lord's told you to do that you hadn't done? I said, yeah, there's just one thing that I know of, and that's to, to write a book. Well, when are you going to write a book? I said, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know anything about it. And then I was at uh, uh, World Outreach Church in Tulsa, and I preached on the thought life, and a lady came up to me afterwards. She said, I'm the editor, one of the editors of Harrison House. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And this all happened within the last 18 months. And, uh, and then uh, Pastor Rusty gave a prophecy, said this message needs to go out. Pastor Sam, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, gave me a prophecy. This, this message is time now. Now's the time. Now's the time to do it. Pastor Mark kept telling me over and over, Eddie, this is the time. You've got to do it. And, you know, if you've got something, Pastor, listen to what he said. Listen to what Pastor said. If you've got something in your heart, remember, uh, the vision has an appointed time. And if you've got something, if God stirred you in something or somebody's given you a word of prophecy, and it might have been years ago, but you know it's still there, that it hadn't left, it's got an appointed time. And right now, I think every one of us know when these all men have, who I listen to, they're my mentors and my models, they all, we're all easy to see. Now's the time for the thought life. Now's the time. We are in a pandemic. Not just a COVID pandemic, but a mental health pandemic. 
I just recently read that the University of Michigan just released these statistics that 40 million American adults, 40 million American adults suffer with anxiety disorder. 40 million American adults suffer with anxiety disorder. Only 36 million of them, I mean only 36% of those 40 million, only 36% have ever sought treatment. So almost two-thirds of every adult who is suffering with anxiety disorder is suffering alone and in silence. You know them. They live in your home. You might be one of them. You don't want to go to the doctor. You don't want to go to the counselor. You don't want to say anything to anybody because you're scared you might be labeled as crazy. And you're just suffering with anxiety disorder. Forty million. Just today... Just today, the statistic came out concerning mental health. How many of you understand we've got a mental health crisis in the United States? That's the pandemic. Just today, the statistics revealed that 50,900,000 adults have mental health issues in America. One out of every five adults in the United States of America have mental issues. One out of every five adults have a mental health issue. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. (laughs) One out of every five. One out of every five. Now, if you put those anxiety disorders, and some of those 40 million are included in the 50 million, but not all, everybody who has anxiety disorder has a mental health issue, okay? But they think at least a third of those 40 million also can be included in the 50 million. So over 65 million Americans are struggling with, with mental health issues. We just saw it in the, our, our Olympics, were some of our greatest athletes. Who'd ever, we've never had that before. We've never had our great athletes who we've heralded as great champions with the pomp and the circumstance. We've never had them withdraw from competition, maybe an injury, but never had them withdraw because of a mental health crisis. Hollywood movie stars are falling by the dozens by mental health issues. Ministers, I've had two ministers in the last week, both of them been in over 20 years, contact me and say, Pastor, we're sorry, but we're quitting. We're resigning our church. And they resigned their church this Sunday. Two ministers in two different states because they're just, we we just can't take it anymore. The nervousness, the stress, the tension is wearing us out. They tell us that 130 Adults every day in the United States of America become so hopeless they end their life. 100, now this is not by drug abuse. This is not because of substance abuse or alcoholism or anything. This is, they, they, they end their life because of hopelessness and they commit suicide. 130 a day. Within the last month, we've done funerals for a 22-year-old who ended his life, and then last week, an eighth grader hung himself. Who would have ever thought an eighth grader would become so hopeless? You see, we are in a pandemic. 
And it's a mental health crisis. And we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've stayed away from this issue. We talk about spirit, soul, and body, and you've been taught that, and I've been taught that so well. But the area that we usually don't focus on is the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions. We got this spirit down, just pray in tongues, pray in tongues. And we love praying in tongues, and it's wonderful and very vital, and we need to do more of that. We got the body down. We've got the body. We got workout. We got, our, we got aerobics for Jesus. We, we've got everything going. You know, we've got it hot yoga, cold yoga, Dairy Queen yoga. We've got it all going for Jesus. The area that we're struggling with, that we've stayed away from and literally scared of, and the world doesn't have the answer, is the area of the soul, the mind. And here's what we need to understand. Is that we understand that if you put darkness and poison in your body, it will affect you physically. Why, we wonder why are people acting the way they're acting and living the way they're living and teenagers are, are behaving the way they're behaving. Well, if you put smoke in your lungs, you're going to get cancer and eventually die. Well, if you put the poison of this world intoxicated and filtered with sin and evil and demonic in your mind, it's going to adversely affect the way you think. That's why the word says, be not transformed. Be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your And we've done that for years. We made sure our dress was right, our length of our hair was right, and we looked right, and all the outward appearance, and that wasn't transforming us. It's our mind. It's our mind. So I'm on mandate. These guys prophesied, said it's time to take the message. And then Harrison House heard the story and, and they uh, said, uh, you need to write a book. And uh, in the last 18 months, this has been it. And, and uh, every day now, uh, since I've been on the Sid Roth program, it came out in March. And right when it came out, they had me on this program. And uh, every day now we get emails. This morning I got an email from some pastor here in Texas somewhere. He says, I saw on social media where you were going to be at Galveston. I've read your book and I'm having some emotional issues. Can I drive over and have a cup of coffee with you? Every day people are driving for hours to Tennessee. Help me. Hearing voices. Can't sleep. Can't concentrate. People, we're dealing with a pandemic but we got the answer. We got the answer. It's always been the same answer. It's the Word of God. But let me just, let me teach you what I've, I teach everywhere I go because some of you hadn't heard this. So let me teach you. You can get the book. Uh, uh, but let me teach what I teach you. Your thoughts are blueprints for actions. And if you don't learn to take your thoughts captive, your thoughts will take you captive. It's that important. Well, is it really important? I mean, come on. Is it really important? Is it important if you smoke or don't smoke? Come on. 
Is it important whether you drink or don't drink? We know alcohol affects the liver. We know smoke affects the, the lungs. Is it really important what you think and what you watch and what you listen to? Do you really think that we can take in stuff that's been laced with evil and the demonic in our mind and it not physically, not only spiritually and emotionally, it will physically affect your brain? They teach us, they've taught us that pornography has the same effect upon individuals as a drug because it releases the same endorphins that a drug will release and will cause the same addiction, pornography. Because evil will affect not only your mind and your thinking and your emotion, it affects your physical brain. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are God's masterpiece. (laughs) Hey, uh, guys, here I got some. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, look over at your wife when you're laying in bed and say, Hey, baby, you got to sleep with God's masterpiece. (laughs) You are one fortunate gal. God's masterpiece. <laughs> I said that to Amanda sometime ago. I said, hey, baby, you got to sleep with God's masterpiece. She said, shh, I got to go to the bathroom. And it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> this brain is the uncharted territory of humankind. Yeah. We know more about space than we know about the brain. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a masterpiece. God has created inside of you a mechanism that is the greatest computer and has the more of the storage capacity than any computer that could ever be made or created by man. Do you know every thought, every sound, every word, every sight, every bit of information, all data that you have come across, you've encountered since the moment you were conceived is stored in your brain. It would take a a storage, computer storage lab the size of a 10-story building just to house the data in storage that's located in your brain when by the time you're 18 years of age. Because every sight, every sound, every word, every taste, every smell since the moment you were conceived, has locked in there. You say, well, do you, eh, that doesn't sound right. Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever been walking somewhere or talking somewhere or been in a city and smelled something and all of a sudden you go back 20 years and you hadn't thought of that in 20 years, but that smell reminds you of that day? Now, how does that happen? Because that's stored. Every sight, every sound, every smell, every word is stored up here in this magnificent thing called the brain. So it's very important that you and I take care of our brain And the way we take care of our brain is by what we allow into it. The way we take care of our lungs is by what not allowing poison in our lungs. The way we take care of our heart is to not allow the things that would clog up our heart. The way we take care of our brain, which is the mechanism that causes our mind to think, is that we must understand it is fearfully and wonderfully made. So we cannot receive all of this stuff that's coming, toxic stuff, from the world. We can't receive it. 
If you don't take your thoughts captive, they'll take you captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I want to just tell you a couple of things that the Lord has showed me before I finish. Here, number one, the direction you pursue in life is guided by your thought life. The direction you're going is guided by your thought life. That's how powerful your thoughts are. That's how powerful your thoughts are. It doesn't matter what you think. Don't believe that. That's a lie. Your, your thoughts are so powerful. You're sitting here tonight because of your thoughts. You wouldn't have been here tonight if you hadn't thought about it. Your thoughts motivated you to be where you are right now. Your thoughts motivated you to live in the house you're living in. Your thoughts motivated you to go to the school you went to. Your thoughts motivated you to take the job you take. Your thoughts motivate you what to eat and where to eat and how to eat. Your thoughts are the most powerful thing, honestly, in your life. They're unseen things, but they're powerful. Your thoughts determine your direction and destiny in life. Your thoughts determine that. So that's why it's so important when our children are small to start directing them toward the right destination. I was talking to a family the other day. They're having all kinds of problems with their child. And they came to see me. He said, well, he's misbehaving. I said, well, what do you tell him? Well, we don't tell him. We, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's an independent child. We want him to be independent. We're going to let him think what he wants to think. How silly. See, they don't understand this truth that your thoughts determine your destiny and your direction in life. It's a biblical truth. Listen to the scripture, Romans 8, 6. The mind in the uh, New King James, King James says, the mind governed, uh, Romans 8, 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. People who do fleshly things, the reason they do it is because their minds are focused in that direction. Amen. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. See, we Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith, whatever you want to call us, tribe of people, we got this crazy feeling that we're people of the Spirit. We just kind of float in whatever our Spirit tells us. We float over here and whatever our Spirit tells us, we say this and whatever our Spirit tells us, we say that. Listen, your Spirit don't operate effectively for you unless it filters back through your thought life. And the reason so many of us get off, we have good hearts, but we get off and we miss it, is because God will give us a word or God will try to speak to us a word. God will give us an impression. But by the time we um, translate it and filter it and interpret it back through a toxic thought life, it gets contaminated. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, see, yes, God will speak to you. He speaks as men are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. We should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. But when God speaks to you, it just, it, yes, it gets in your spirit, but you interpret it, you translate it, it comes up through your thought life. That's how your understanding gets it. Your mind has to play a role in that. And if your mind is toxic... Your mind will poison it, will flavor it, will taint it. And you will not to get the correct message from the Lord. 
That's why it's so important to get our minds renewed with the Word of God because when the Spirit of God speaks something to our spirit, it'll filter up through a renewed mind and we know exactly what God is saying and when He's saying it and why He's saying it at that moment. See, we're all about the spirit thing and we need to be. But at the same time, we've got to get our thought life straight. And we've got to get our mind protected because our direction in life, our destiny in life is determined by our thought life. Not only that, your quality of life. Your quality of life. It doesn't really make any difference how much money you make or what size house you live in or what kind of car you drive. That doesn't determine your quality of life. Your quality of life is determined by your thought life. Let let me me prove it to you. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 6, the very next verse. Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind, the mind, the mind, the thinking, the thought life governed by your flesh is death. That word death means empty, lacking, void. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. (laughs) You know it. You know people that don't have anything. My grandmother, the most money, she was a... My grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher back when Pentecostal preachers were not popular. Back around the 1940s. He was, I'm a first generation Pentecostal preacher. Assemblies of God was founded in 1914. Uh, and he got saved in an Assembly of God tent meeting. He was the town drunk. And he would go out drinking and come home Friday night spent all of his money, and my grandmother would be praying in the back bedroom for him. She was a shouting Methodist. Anybody ever heard of a shouting Methodist? Methodists used to shout with the Holy Ghost. She was a shouting Methodist, and, and she was praying for him. She told me one night, she said, Eddie, did you know the KKK came after your grandfather? I said, you're kidding me. She said, no. I said, well, we're, we're Caucasian. We're not African American. She said, it didn't make any difference. Back in that day, if the KKK served as the militia, and if they thought a man was not taking care of his family, it didn't make any difference what color you were. She said, now, they wouldn't hang him, but they came to beat him up and to get him on the right track. And she said, they came to get him. They knocked on my door, had the hooded sheets and everything on, and said, they was looking for him, and I'd hid him in the back bedroom. He'd come in drunk, and somebody had told him they'd followed him, and I'd hid him in the back bedroom. And one night he came in to the back bedroom. I mean, came in drunk. She was praying, and he crawled under the house because he was too ashamed to come in the house, and he heard her praying. He got under conviction. The next night they went to a tent meeting, and he gave his heart to Christ. And he became a Pentecostal preacher. And back then, Pentecostal preachers, uh, you know, they threw rocks at you. You didn't have TV programs. (laughs) And you didn't have private jets back then, you know. Uh, You just just didn't have that stuff. And the most uh, he ever made, a weekly salary of pastor in his little church, I still have his book, was $42. He got a percentage of the offering. And the most he got was $42. So my grandmother, when my grandfather went to heaven, my grandmother, all she got from Social Security a month was $342. $342 with her monthly Social Security check. And every missionary she would have over and feed them. 
And she died and left 10,000. She had three children and left $10,000 to each of her children. And a brick house paid for. God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And here's what we learned. Every time we would go to her house, we're feeling bad. Wonder if she has enough food. I wonder if she can pay her electric bill. Christmas is coming. And I wonder if she's going to be able to have any money to give her children anything. Amanda and I would feel bad. And we would leave her presents and feel like a million dollars because she didn't know she was struggling financially. See, the quality of your life, the mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh is the one that's empty and void. She wasn't empty and void, even though her bank account was not overflowing. She was not empty and void because she had her mind set on the things of God. Every time you was around her, you felt like a million dollars. She never said a negative word, never complained about anything, never complained about her plight in life. Not because she had it, but because she had it up here in her mind. Her mind was set on the things of the Spirit. See, your thought life not only determines your destiny in life, your thought life determines your quality of life. Quality of life. So if you're having a, if you're just down and got a bad attitude tonight, I've got a good word from you. Shape up. Suck it up and get a good attitude. You don't need God to break through on finances. The first thing you need is God to break through in you. And change your attitude and get your thought life right. Number one, your destination is determined by your thought life. Number two, your quality of life is determined by your thought life. Number three, your thoughts are blueprints for actions. The way you think is what you're going to, you're going to either say it or you're going to do it. Can't get around it. Some of the question is, what have you been meditating on this week? Over the last couple of weeks, what have you been thinking about? What has captured your mind that you've entertained in your thought life more than anything else? Eventually, you're going to act it out. Thoughts are blueprints for actions. There's a scripture for that. Matthew chapter 15. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse number 17. Matthew chapter 15, verse 17. Notice what Jesus, this is a Jesus scripture. Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile the man? Verse 19, for out of the heart, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. We've read that for years and ran right past it. We'll say for out of the heart proceed murders, adulteries, thefts, fornications, thefts, false witness. But, but notice the first thing that comes out of the heart. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. How does an evil thought come out of your heart? How do you know when an evil thought? Murder begins with a thought. Adultery begins with a thought. Fornication begins with a thought. See, these things will never happen if you don't entertain them first. So what Jesus is saying, the problem was not that you committed a murder. Not that you committed adultery. Those are bad. Those are sinful. But if you wouldn't have not entertained that thought, you would have never got to that place. Because the first thing that happened is you entertained a toxic, poisonous thought. For out of the thought proceed evil thoughts, and they manifest into murder, adultery, 
fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. Men, you want to be faithful to your wife? I talk to men all the time. They'll say, Pastor, I'm just really struggling. Everything on TV is sex crazed. Everybody at work, these ladies at work that come from ungodly backgrounds, everything's about sex. They'll say things. They're suggestive in their clothing, all of this stuff. And they'll say, Pastor, I'm being tempted. What do I need to do? How can I be faithful? I say, it's very simple, very simple. It's easy for you because you're a preacher. I said, no, I'm the masterpiece of God. My wife wakes up every morning and says, whoa, I'm married to the masterpiece. Uh, I, said that, I said, it's just, it's real simple. You don't think about it, you'll never do it. I mean, it's just real simple. You don't entertain it, you won't get there. When that thought comes, when that picture comes, when that temptation comes, when that person walks down and your flesh is turned to them and all of a sudden a thought, a, a lustful, a pornographic or illicit thought pops in your mind, you have a choice as a child of God right there. You can either let that pull you into a fantasy and eventually a stronghold or you just say, no, in the name of Jesus, I take that thought captive and I replace that thought with God's word. See, your mind's going to think. See, it's where a lot of people miss it. It's because they say, well, if I could just stop thinking, if I could just stop thinking. When I was bound and wouldn't get out of my house for a solid year because of depression, I used to say, if I could cut my head off, I could live a victorious Christian life. Has anybody else ever thought that? If you can just cut your head off. If I'm, well, listen, your mind's going to think. It thinks 24 hours a day. The average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day. 60,000 thoughts a day. 60,000. There's 86,400 seconds in a day. So the average person processes an individual thought every 1.3 seconds. Every 1.3 seconds. You're sitting here while I've been teaching and the thoughts have run through your mind. Well, if that's a masterpiece, I sure I'm... I'm. <laughs> If he thinks he's a masterpiece, then I've got God. I sleep with God. If that's a masterpiece, I sleep with Adonis. I mean, I'm, I got him. Every person processes 60,000 thoughts a day, 86,400 seconds in a day. Every 1.3 seconds, you're thinking a thought. Your mind's going to think. You can't turn it off. At night, you dream. That's your mind thinking. Even when you're, when you're asleep, your mind is working. It's processing. It's navigating all those millions of thoughts, ideas, sounds, sights, smells, tastes that you've received in the last 24 hours. Your mind and all your life, your mind is processing that data, putting that in different compartments. Your mind is going to think. Now, here's what they tell us. Science tells us that the average person thinks 60,000 thoughts a day and that the average person thinks 54,000 of those 60,000 are the same theme or the same thought. So that's why a person can take a gun and go into an elementary school and shoot innocent children. How could he do that? What would make somebody do that when you hear it 54,000 times a day? Go kill him, go kill him, go kill him, go kill him, go kill him. You say, really, is that the way it works? For a year, it felt like hideous, evil thoughts were firing into my mind like a machine gun. I couldn't turn my mind off. I couldn't turn it off. Kill yourself. End your life. Go ahead and end your life. You're going to end up like your grandmother. You're going to be in a mental hospital. The last time I saw her, she was in a straitjacket in a padded cell. 
She died in a mental hospital. And that's what's going to happen to you. They're coming to get you. They're coming to get you. They're coming to get you. You're going crazy. You're losing your mind. And I heard that 54,000 times a day to the point I had a band around my head. I got where I couldn't see. Literally, things became dark. I couldn't remember people's name. I couldn't even remember my own family's name. My mind had become captive by an onslaught of hell. And simply because, and I knew Jesus. I had Jesus in my heart, but nobody had ever taught me. They taught me what to wear, what not to wear, where to go, where not to go, but nobody taught me what to think. And it's our mind that determines our direction. It's our mind that determines our quality of life. And our mind that controls is the blueprint for our actions. And then the fourth thing is this. We're not, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment for every child of God to get your mind renewed with God's Word. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, King James says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Why is it? It's not a suggestion. It's not a... It's not a, something he hopes you do. It's a commandment. Yeah. Get your mind renewed with the Word of God. Why is that so important? Yes, yes. Why is it so important? Here's the way it is. You know this. Your spirit, you're born again. You've got Jesus in your spirit. Your flesh isn't born again. Your flesh, the Bible calls it the creature. It still wants to do bad things. So you got your spirit pulling you this way and you got your flesh pulling you this way. God says, I want you to go in this direction. God gives you a, a, a direction. God gives you a word and your spirit says, go this way. And the first thing your flesh does is pull the exact opposite way. So you got one against one. You got your spirit full of God and you got your flesh full of the devil. You say, well, the flesh full of the devil? How many times have you ever told your kids, I'm going to beat the devil out of you? That was a you got your spirit pulling one way full of God and you got your flesh that's under uh, suspicion of evil pulling you the other way. And the arbitrator, the mediator, the swing boat is your soul, your mind, your will and emotions. And it's just a matter of playing the numbers. Two against one will win every time. If your mind is renewed with God's word, it will side, up, side with your spirit and your spirit and renewed mind will win every time against the evil flesh. But if your mind is carnal, it will side with your flesh. And I don't care how much Jesus you have in your spirit, if your flesh and your unrenewed mind side up against it, they're going to win. That's the reason Christian people do some crazy things. They love Jesus with all their heart. They just never got their mind renewed and their mind's taking control with their flesh. And two against one always prevail. It's just a matter of doing the numbers. So you and I, it's not a suggestion. We must renew our minds with the Word of God. You say, well, how do you, I hear about that, renewing your mind. How do you do that? Well, it's just this simple. It's just old school, vintage, hard work. Remember, remember before we had so many translations of the Bible that we had memory verses that we would memorize? 
I love all the translations. I use the NIV, the NLT, the NASB. I use the Passion, the Message, the Phillips. Whichever one says it the way I like it, that's the one I use (laughs) in my study. I love them all. But the truth of the matter is, since we've gotten so many, we have no children memorizing verses of Scripture. We have no... There was something I'm not, uh, you know, the King James, you can say what you want, but there's something poetic about it. That God ordained it that you can memorize that thing and you can remember it forever. If you were in church world years ago, you had memory verses you had to remember and some of you can remember those verses still to this day. And what happens is when these thoughts come, we've got to take those thoughts captive. This is how you renew your mind. A poison thought, an errant thought, an ungodly thought, an unhealthy thought. Remember, he gives us the lineup. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is good, whatsoever honest, whatsoever just. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on those things. So anything that doesn't fall into that category, you take that thought captive. Okay, I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to think it. But remember, your mind's going to think. You've got to think something. It won't stop thinking. So what do you do? I'm just not going to think it. I'm just not going to think it. I used to walk through my house all the time. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I remember I was walking through my house down my hallway one day. I hadn't been out of the house in months. And I just said, my, my mind was under torment. I just said, I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. And I heard a little feet behind me. It was my little one-year-old son. He was right behind me shaking his head. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. So you not you have that's just one side of the equation. You have to take your thought captive. I'm not going to think that. But remember, your mind's going to think. Renewing the mind means to replace that thought with a God thought. And that's why John Osteen told me years ago, Eddie, if you'll put God's word in your heart when you don't need it, the Holy Spirit will always be faithful to bring it out of your heart when you do need it. So if you and I do not, we need, we need, I beg you, I implore you, I beseech you, I, I, I plead with you to have some type of memory, mem- verse memorization. If it's one verse a week, one verse a week, just start memorizing one verse a week. You say, well, I don't know if I'll ever use that. And Holy Spirit knows. When you don't need, if you'll put it in when you don't need, the Holy Spirit will be faithful to bring it out when you do need it. And it's that word. When that thought comes, you take that thought captive and then you replace in your mind that verse. And before long, what will happen, your mind will be trained to default to the word of God instead of to the evil thoughts of the enemy. Your destination is determined by your thought life. Your quality of life is determined by your thought life. Thoughts are blueprints for actions. It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. We've got to get our, word, our minds renewed with the Word of God. And then finally, here's the one that broke it for me. You don't have to take ownership of every thought that pops in your mind. How many of you have, had, have been doing something or maybe in praying or reading your Bible or just driving down the road and the craziest, weirdest, most rude, impure, unhealthy thought would pop in your mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, here's what the devil does. He'll put it over here. He'll fire. See, Satan operates in the arena of thought. 
He's never showed up at your house with a red pitch, with a pitchfork and a red devil suit and ring the doorbell and said, hey, I'm the devil. <laughs> how does he attempt you? How does he tra- trap you? How does he test you? How does he, how does he come at you? It's in your thought life. You read the whole New Testament, read the whole Old Testament. How did he, how did he trap Adam and Eve? It's in their thought life. How did he get uh, 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 Judas? It was in his thought life. How did he get Ananias and Sapphira? You read the story, it's in their thought life. Simon the sorcerer, Peter said, that, pray that the Lord will, re, will forgive you of the bitterness and the thoughts in your heart. Yeah. Satan operates in the arena of thought. And what he'll do, he'll sit out here and he'll throw a thought in. Crazy thought, a rogue thought, terrible thought, yeah. impure thought. And then he'll flip around on the other side and say, boy, if you was a real Christian, you wouldn't be thinking that. And you didn't start it anyway. He's the one that put it there. Hallelujah. And I didn't know that truth. So I thought every thought that pops in my mind, it's coming from me. It wasn't coming from me. You do not have to take ownership of every thought that pops in your mind. And you can get the book and read my story. Um, uh, and uh, I tell the whole story about that and when the Lord appeared to me. And I'll finish it with this, which I don't highlight a whole lot, but I'll, I'll finish it with this. The Lord had appeared to me and taught me some things, but just because the Lord... See, you never, you don't get your mind renewed by someone praying for you. Getting your mind renewed is not a one-time event. It's a daily exercise. It's a spiritual discipline. And every weekend, just about, Amanda and I are in some church, and people will line up for hours, literally. We've, we've prayed for three-fourths of the congregation, people struggling in their thought life afterwards. And I'll tell them, here's what's going to happen. We're going to lay hands on you and there'll be a, a, a momentary reprieve. It might last a week, a couple weeks, maybe a day, but Satan's coming back. He's coming back to torment your mind, to introduce those thoughts and you've got to start putting up a wall of resistance and take your thought life back under control. Uh, he had, the Lord had appeared to me um, and uh, taught me some things about the thought life. I had about two weeks of reprieve. Man, I didn't have any torment. I got back. I started going out of my house. I went to my office, and the first Wednesday I was in my office, I was sitting at my desk trying to pray and study, and uh, my mind came under attack. All the old thoughts, you're demon-possessed. God doesn't love you. God didn't appear to you. See, you were going crazy. You had an illusion. You're going to end up just like your grandmother. You're going to die. You, you're an embarrassment to your family. Get out of this church. You're going to embarrass this church. You wasn't called to be a preacher. You're a phony. In fact, you're the Antichrist. In fact, you've committed the unpardonable sin. I, every person that I deal with with thought battles and mental health issues, Satan uses the same one on them. You've committed the unpardonable sin. You've commi- it's a lie of the devil. And he was hitting in me and I couldn't even concentrate. I couldn't concentrate. And immediately I heard this thought. Stop fighting. You're a victim. Your grandmother had this. Your aunt had this. Your daddy had this. Now it's hit you. Now stop fighting this. You love Jesus. They died and went to heaven. Just just stop fighting this. You're a victim. And you know, for a moment, sitting at my desk, that gave me a sense of peace. 
If I'm a victim, then why am I fighting this? It's not my fault. It's not my fight. I'm a victim. See, if you take the victim mentality, it disarms your ability and willpower and faith to fight through the battle of faith. And I just sat there, and for a moment, I, for a moment, I had peace. I'm a victim. This sickness runs in my family. It's just, I'll go to the doctor and get some medicine like they did. That's just the way it is. But I'll, I can still serve Jesus and love Jesus. I'm a victim. And then all of a sudden, right here, I heard these words. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. And immediately I realized Satan had changed his tactic on me. He used to sit out here and tell me how terrible I was. Now he came around here this time and is telling me, you're not terrible, you're a victim. And when I said, I am not a victim, I refuse to be a victim. When I said that, I lifted up out of my chair. I felt, I know what Paul meant when he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I knoweth not, God knoweth a man who went to heaven. I remember lifting up out of my chair. I don't know if it was my body going up or me, but my spirit went up and the next thing I knew I was in heaven. And I was standing before the Lord Jesus, the same Lord Jesus that had appeared to me about a month earlier in my den at my home. And he talked to me a little bit about the thought life. And then he started pulling away. He hugged me. Let me tell you, the oxygen of heaven is God's love. They don't breathe oxygen up there. It's in him they live, they move, they have their being. They breathe the love of God. When he hugged me, the love of God went through me. I've never experienced anything like it or since. It went through me. It went through me. And I, he started to pull away. He said, I love you. I said, I love you, Lord Jesus. And he started to pull away, and I said, I don't want to go back. He said, you got to go back. I said, again, I don't want to go back. This time he said, you must go back. You must go back for your wife and your little boy. Now, I had gotten so enraptured with heaven and Jesus, I forgot I was married and had a son. <laughs> And they're the most precious thing in my life. Well, now I got a little girl and she jumps in there pretty good too. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is people in heaven, it is so all-consuming and fulfilling, they don't miss earth. Well, will they miss me? Do you think they're going to miss me? We were so close. No, they don't miss you. (laughs) Let me bust your bubble. They hadn't thought about you, you know. They're so enraptured in the love of Christ. Uh, Now, they're waiting on you. They'd love to have you there, but you're not going to interrupt their life right now. And then he, he, he kept pulling back. He said, you must go back for your wife and little boy. And then he said, and you must go back for them. And he pointed to the corner and there was a room, looked like an Amazon warehouse, full of army cots. And they were empty. And he said, if you don't go back, 
those cots will be full of Christians who never heard the message about the thought life. They'll be disabled. They'll be injured and won't be able to finish their fight. So every time I'm invited, when he prophesied, oh, he didn't know about that. When he prophesied over me, Pastor uh, Sam prophesied, when Mark prophesied over me, when the, uh, the editor of Harrison House came to me, when the president of Harrison House came to me, I didn't tell him that part. I didn't tell him that part. But I'm here tonight on assignment so that you won't be disabled because of your thought life. Because our thought life is disabling in us more than anything else. More than immorality, more than anything, it's our thought life. God wants you free in your mind. He wants you free. Stand with me, would you? We have more to think about than any other generation. Just think of the volume of things that we have to think about and information and all the things that are going on. That's why you have to be so careful. I ask you a question. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thought in your mind? You need to, you listen, you need to pay attention to how you think. When I first came back to the Lord years ago, I was in a war for about seven years getting my mind right. And I mean a war. Because I'm telling you, the devil will fight you. And then you have to work to keep it right. I said, you have to work to keep it right. And it is a constant, in, in this day, in this hour, in which we're living, you can, your thought and your thought life can be captured so quickly. A lot of things happen because of panic. There are all these different emotions that can happen that can stimulate. But listen, if you'll stick with the Word of God, and you know, I like what David said. He said, I will say of the Lord, Jesus resisted the devil in Matthew uh, 4. He said, he said, it is written. He said, I had to learn how to use my speech against my thoughts. Now, all of my thoughts were replaced with the word. That was me working on myself, but me fighting against the devil took my confession. I had to say it. I say, devil, I'm not going to think like that. I'm not thinking sick. I'm not thinking addicted. I'm not thinking broke. I'm not, I'm not thinking oppressed. I'm not thinking depressed. I'm not thinking failure. I mean, day after day after day after day after day till you wake up in the morning. I mean, I wake, I've waked up in the morning for years with either a scripture or a song in my head. I, I have, but it took some work to get there because the enemy will challenge you. And in this day and hour, it's been, I don't know if you've noticed how beautifully uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night and tonight have, have blended together and then, you know, I'm going to speak tomorrow night. Is that all right? Was that everybody? And I, was, I didn't want to. I was wanting to give Mark two nights or give Janet a night. Eh? She heard her preach last, back in August. I'll give it to her. Oh, you know how you are. When you, 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 it's your meeting. You want everybody else to, you know. And the Lord started giving me a message. I said, well, I ain't preaching this. It's like drawing the rank bull, Eddie. I'm like, I'm not preaching this. But it's exactly what you're... And the church can tell you right here how much I've been teaching on. You better get a hold of your thoughts. You better get a hold of your thoughts. You better renew your mind. You better pray in the Holy Ghost. You better get a hold of your thoughts. I mean, I've been while in church. Am I right? I mean, I've been talking. I mean, I've been preaching on it. You know why? Because we are in a fight. We are in a fight. Now, we are in the victory, but honey, we are in the fight. And the fight is for the lives of men and women all over this world. 
that need Jesus right now more than they've ever needed Jesus. The multitudes in the valley of decision. Thank God we have the word. We have these wonderful spiritual gifts, these, these pastors, these prophets, these men of God that can speak these things and get this revelation, go through. You know, Eddie went through all this so you didn't have to. Did you know that? Things that Pastor Sam went through, he, he, he went through so you wouldn't have to. Things I've gone through, you know, we went through so you wouldn't have to. We get the information. I'm thankful for the men that were in our lives in the previous generation that went through things that we didn't have to. And we need to pass that to the next generation. What a day to be alive. Amen. One more time, lift your hands and just worship God before we leave. Such a wonderful atmosphere of his presence in this place. Father, we do worship you tonight. We do love you. We do glorify you. We exalt you, Lord God. We exalt you, Heavenly Father. You are worthy of our praise. Worthy of our praise. Worthy of our praise. Now, right before we dismiss, I'm going to obey God. We're going to make our healing confession again. You know, the Lord really spoke to me many months ago. He said, you got to stay on the front end of all of this. You say, what do you mean by that? Thank God that we have the Word of God. We have the power of the name of Jesus. We've got the power of the Holy Ghost. We've got gifts of the Spirit all to help you recover if you're attacked. Amen? I, I have been helped. I was telling Pastor Sam about, about a healing I got. Pastor Mark laid hands on me four years ago, and I was healed. I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, thank God for that. But we need to be on the front end of this in a, in a posture of resistance. And that's why I tell people every day you need to be speaking the word over your body. Resist it. Resist it now. Don't wait till it gets into your body. Resist it now. Ready? Here we go. I'm trying to remember. No, no. I got too many scriptures. I got all these confessions I speak every day. They run in my. Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you. You are Jehovah Rapha, the healer and health of my body. Jesus was wounded. For my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity, the chastisement of my peace was upon him. By his stripes, I am the healed of God. Thank you, Father. You bless my bread. You bless my water. You take all sickness, all symptoms from the midst of me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I forgive not his benefits. Who forgiveth all iniquity, healeth all disease. Crowns my life with loving kindness and tender mercy so that my youth is renewed like an eagle. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You said, Jesus, you'd never leave me. You'd never forsake me. You'd be with me always, even until the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus, for medical grace at the end of the age. Thank you, Lord. You've not given me spirit of fear, but of power, of love, a sound mind. Thank you, Father. No evil befalls me. No plague comes by my dwelling place. Angels have charge over me. Thank you, Father. You've delivered me. From the spirit, from the, help me out, power of darkness, <laughs> translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you, Father. The law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free 
from the law of sin and death. Now, here we go. The same spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides, dwells in me, quickening my mortal body. Therefore, I declare from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, in my blood, in my bones, in my marrow, in my glands, I am the healed of God. By faith and through confession, I release that power out of my spirit man into my physical body, energizing, healing, delivering, setting me free. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I am, I am the healed of God. Now thank him for it. Now thank him for it. Now thank him for it. Thank him for it. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I tell you, get healed just like that. Amen. I, I, I wrote that, Lord have mercy, 30-something years ago, and I still say it every day, sometimes. Now, let me, can I help you? Anybody want to know how to resist? I've had this so many times it's happened to me. You know when a symptom hits your body. Now, uh, just what Pastor Eddie taught, what happens when, the what is the thought that is stimulated by the feeling? You know, you can feel the, the fever as it begins to, it kind of sweeps over you, you the, the raspiness in your body. What is, the, what is the first thought you have? The first thought that comes into your mind many times is of the adversary and he tries to get you to take possession with a I have thought. I have thought. I have thought. And it's, it's very innocent. It's very subtle. But here's the thing. Your body agrees with the, with the thought that's coming into your mind. It's at that point you must engage. You say why? Because if you accept that thought, there's another one coming. And if you accept that one, there's another one coming after that. And if you accept that one, there, there's another one coming after that. And you will get sick in your mind and then sick in your body. You will think yourself sick. I like what, what Paul said. He said, I think myself happy. Well, I think myself healed. I said, think myself delivered. Amen. So begin to engage right there. No, no. And say no to it. Say no to it. No to it. You say, what do you mean? You checked your temperature. You're at 99 point. No, no, no. What if not, nothing happens? You don't consider if nothing happens. You begin to speak. No, in the name of Jesus. No. Now, Lee and I have learned this over the years. No, in the name of Jesus. Well, nothing seems to, well, it seems to be getting worse. So we'll, we'll get to a point where we'll just speak that healing confession. Then we'll settle it and we'll say, in the name of Jesus, we believe we receive it. And we'll lift our hands and we'll start to worship. Thank you, Father. We are the healed of God. I've told the testimony many times here about we were on our way to the emergency room. I don't know what hit Leah. It just whacked her. We had been at a big beach outreach that we'd done years ago. We used to do these beach outreaches. And she was, she was just, she just went down. I could tell. She began to get very pale in her face. Uh, this pain had her almost doubled over on the couch. And we're like, oh, do you need to go to the emergency? She said, I need to go. And so we're up and I'm helping her. And I said, sit down, right, sit down right here just for a minute. She sat down. I said, let's, let's speak our healing scripture. We just went through them. 
She just kind of stumbled through them because she was in pain. I said, now let's worship. And we worshiped and worshiped. And it took about, it took about three minutes of just worshiping God. And she sat up and I looked at her. She had color in her face. And we just worshiped and worshiped. And after about 10 minutes, I said, well, you all right? She looked up and said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, you sure? She said, yeah. So I went and took a nap. And got up and she had dinner ready. You got to, listen, don't wait. Don't, you've got to engage and, and do it quick. Do it quick. At the first end of, wouldn't, wouldn't you do that with sin? Wouldn't you do that with sin? That you would act quick over a thought to commit some type of sin or to do something immoral. Or, and you would, you would quickly like, oh no, well, treat sickness the same way. It is a temptation. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed of God using the word of God to fight off symptoms and to, of disease and sickness and maintain the divine health God's given you in Christ. We just got to up the game, church. I said, we just got to up the game because the devil up the game. We got to up the game. So as much as it takes. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. That was so awesome. Oh, I was so awesome. I was just. Amen. Don't you appreciate him? I'm glad he likes Galveston so we can get him to come back here. Glory to God. That's so good. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, Brother Alan Martin will be here. And Brother Greg Fritz will be here. So come and hear what the Lord has to say. The morning meetings were so good this morning. They were just so rich and uh, just such a wonderful. And listen, you don't, have, you don't know what may happen. I mean, we're Holy Ghost people. We, it, it's, it's not hard to run. Amen. <laughs> it's easy to shout. So we'll just believe God and, and we'll have some breakthroughs and God will do great things in our midst. Father, we thank you tonight so much. Lord, your presence in this place has been so awesome. Your atmosphere and your presence is truly fullness of joy. We thank you for it, Father. We worship and glorify your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we missing something? Pastor, are we missing something? Let's worship the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We glorify you. We exalt you, Father. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Randy and Linda, y'all have anything in the spirit? Y'all need to minister? Check your, check your spirit there for a moment. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I know, Pastor Mark, are you got anything? Praise God, you clear? There's something, just get just something right there. That just, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands one more time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, well, what is it? Well, what is it, Lord? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I will do that. He said, pray for Christopher along. Father, we lift up Christopher along right now. 
We speak health to his body, strength to him, Lord. Father, we thank you that he is protected. We surround him with faith and love right now. Just pray for a moment. We surround him with faith and love. We surround him with faith and love. See, the devil tried to steal Egan from us. We surround him with faith and love. We're going to do this preemptively for Christopher. We surround him with faith and love. We say, devil, get your hands off God's property. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, angels of God encamped round about him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord God. Yes, Lord Jesus. So Rabahasaka, Tabrade, Ketisa, Kalemandaha, Erama Secretia, Ramande, So Rabaha, O Raki Sekelemanda, Robodoso, Rende, Eramande, So Rabaha, Erigiamana, Eradahika, Andrates, Erebe, Isekiramanda, Robodoso, Riandelamante, Enrebeso, Carcari, Sarambare, So Ra, O Rabato, Erabatisa, Eremende, Ibateco, So Ramande, Lamotamo, Aragar. Now the days are here in which you must pray one for another on a continual and constant basis. Pray that you'll be protected. Pray that your friends and loved ones, those in your company that you cherish, will be safe. Bear the burden of one another. Make a decision to pray and intercede in a moment as I touch your heart. For there's much evil in the land and much the enemy would like to do. But if you'll continue in the procession in which you're going toward me, then you will continually be protected through information, urges, my spirit moving quietly and gently in yours, and I will cause you at all times and all ways to be surrounded by that which will protect and keep you. And if I speak unto your soul or your spirit of a brother, sister, minister, missionary, loved one, know that there's an urgent, immediate need that needs to be rectified by those that will pray and release faith and stand with the authority that's in their heart. So do not be surprised as these days get more intense. And as it seems, yeah, 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 it seems you're in a fight. But no, remember, the battle's already been won. And you fight it from the arena of victory. And as you do, all the victories will be great. And you'll get the benefit and Jesus will be glorified. So stand in faith and know that heaven is open to hear your plea as we stand with earth in all that needs to be done in this day and hour. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let's, let's pray together. Let's pray together. As a, as a group here in, the, here in the conference, let's pray that these nations will open back up. I, I'm, 
I, I need to get to some of the nations where my interests are. And, and they're, not, they're not open the way they should be. I, I, I know there are others here that, that you need a nation to, how many need a nation to open? You need it to open. Amen? I mean, we need them to open so we can get in there and get the gospel preached. And a lot of people are discouraging those nations right now. So let, we, we should be able to ask God, amen? Devil, close the door. God can open the door. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, in the European continent, Lord, Australia, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Lord, down into South and Central America, Lord. Lord, the Philippine Islands. These churches that have been shut down, especially those that are of our company. Men and women on the mission field that are of our company. Who it seems the enemy has tried to stifle their vision and their opportunity to, to, to walk it out in that nation. We bind the devil in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that in a moment of time you can move, you can act. These nations can open and we can rush in. We're ready, ready. I said we're ready. We're on standby right now, Lord. Standby right now. So, Father, we ask that these nations would open. We speak to every foul spirit from hell that has conspired to shut these nations down and discourage these missionaries. Let's pray for our missionaries. Everyone in a foreign field right now. Everyone on the foreign field right now. Lift them up. If you know a name, if you know a discouraged missionary, lift their name right now to God. Father, we pray encouragement. The spirit of encouragement right there in Hong Kong, Lord. Lord, right there in Nicaragua. Father, over in France and in Ireland. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. They're in, they're in Manila, Heavenly Father. Let the, let the doors of new life open. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. Down in Australia, Heavenly Father. And we bind the devil. Lord, if we don't pray, we bind the devil who is closing down churches. The ones, the attacks of the adversary. The discouragement of ministers that are quitting and walking off. Lord, we pray, we intercede. Pour your fire upon them. Jesus, you said you would not, you would not disturb an ember that was just smoldering, that you would blow on it and bring it back to flame, Lord. We bind discouragement on the pastors, on the missionaries, on the men and women of God. In Jesus' name, get off of them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For the spirit of encouragement. For the spirit of encouragement. Going across the internet right now. Those that are watching live stream, now be refreshed. Be encouraged by the spirit of God. God is moving for you. God is moving. We're praying. We're interceding. Believe in God with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Woo, glory. I feel a whole lot better now. Amen. Well, that's why we gather to do kingdom business. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your protection and safety on us as we leave. You're so good to us. You bless us so much. Father, we thank you that 
Everyone's able to get good rest. Thank you for a wonderful day tomorrow. Thank you for this beautiful weather you've given us. Our friends, our family together, our company of believers that we stand in faith with being here. Lord, we just rejoice in your presence and in your goodness. We love you so much, Lord. As we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. You're, you're, you're so, so awesome in our midst. We walk in love toward one another. We thank you for the church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You called us to be thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you.